What's up, guys? It's been a long time since I've been in the pulpit. Two years, to be exact. It's a long time. It's a long time, okay? A lot of things have happened in that time. Uh, my daughter that I had before, Paisley, is now eight, and we now have a new little one. This is Addison. She can't pick her head up, so just bear with her. All right, guys, look at her. You see her? Okay, uh-huh. All right, girls. Uh-huh. All right, she's, she'll be three months on Monday. And that's better than a picture. There you go. All right. Although, I do have pictures. All right, hold on a second. I got to show you the pictures because Paisley's not in here. Thank you, Tina. All right, Paisley is eight now. She's going to third grade next year, which is crazy. Um, still think she looks like me. Um, so that's, that's good. And then Addison, I really like the picture on the right. Like, I think that like, should be on a magazine or something, you know, or not. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, earlier, I told everybody that she looks like me. I definitely think she looks like me. Uh, and then I was scolded because she obviously gets her good looks from her mother. All right? Take notes, okay? Take notes. So I love being a father. I love loving on these kids. Her skin is so soft. I love kissing on her face. Does that make sense to anybody? It's going to make a lot more sense when you have kids, okay? It's weird, but kissing on, it's just nothing like that. Listen, I got sick for like a week, okay? And I couldn't kiss on her. It's the worst. I was upset, frustrated all the time, okay? I love kissing on my baby. I love spending time with my kids. And just in the same way, I think God's the same way with us. Because he's a father. He loves to spend time with us. He loves to kiss on us and give us stuff and hang out with us. All right? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. But before we do, I want to have the privilege of talking to God about it first. So join me as, uh, as I bow my head in prayer. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be back in the pulpit with 5979. Father, I pray that you would take me out of the way, that it would just be your word here for these students to hear. Father, I pray that our hearts will be open. God, I pray that tonight as we leave that we would be lovers of your presence, that we would be desperate for your presence, God, and that we would want nothing more than what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so every time I come into the pulpit, every time I speak with you guys, I want to help you think. I don't want to give you the, I don't want to do you the disservice of just giving you thoughts and then thinking for you and then just leaving it at that. I want you guys to think for yourselves. I want you guys to grow and, and take ideas and whatnot and birth them inside of you. So I want to give you a thought tonight as we open this up. Would you guys all agree that we're all soldiers in God's army, right? Okay, okay. I agree with that as well. And I think that in the same way, uh, a soldier needs weapons and tools before he goes into battle. Because if he goes into battle and he doesn't have his weapons, he doesn't have his tools, what's going to happen to him? He's dead. He dead. He said it. He, that boy gone. That's it. He's dead, okay? That is it. He's going he's gonna to get attacked by the enemy, and he is going to die. And I think the same way, it, it's the same thing with us. If we come into a battle, every day you guys walk out of your house, it's a battle. If you don't have your weapons, if you don't have your tools, you guys can also not necessarily die, but you're not going to win the battle, right? Just a thought. You guys take that where you want it. Leave it where you want it, whatever. 
What we came to talk about tonight is the presence of God, and we're talking about Luke chapter 7, the first 17 verses. Before we dive into that, I want to give a quick recap of what happened last chapter uh, in Luke. Jesus was real busy, okay? He did a lot of things. Uh, just to list off a few of them, Jesus showed us that he is Lord of the Sabbath in chapter 6. He chose his 12 apostles, gave us the Beatitudes, taught us to love our enemies, taught us not to judge others, taught us about fruit in our lives, taught us to build our lives on a firm foundation. That's a lot to do in just a chapter alone, let alone a book, okay? So Jesus has been busy. We pick up chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus is coming to a new area called Capernaum. Does anybody know where Capernaum is? Tina does because she's seen what's coming next, okay? I didn't know where Capernaum was, so I had to look it up, and it's here in the northwest section of the Sea of Galilee, okay? So that's what you can picture. Jesus is traveling to Capernaum. Verse 1, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, some some uh, versions even say that he was a beloved servant of his master, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. Do you guys know what a centurion is? Soldier, kind of, okay. So a centurion is not just a soldier, he's a Roman officer, okay? This guy is pretty high up. He can have anywhere from 80 to 1,000 soldiers under him. This dude's kind of important, you know what I mean? This guy's well-paid, this guy's well-respected, and highly honored. And not only is he honored by the Roman army, by the Roman political system, but he's also honored and respected by the Jewish elders of the church. That's why he can ask things of them. That's a big deal. Because back then, Jews and Romans didn't necessarily get along. So not only did they get along in this instance, but they liked this Roman citizen or this centurion. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. This is the reason they loved the centurion, because he helped the Jewish elders out. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the, Lord, when the centurion sent friends to him to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. There's such a humility in that statement. I don't deserve for you to come under my roof. There's no need for you to bother. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. And that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. What a statement for Jesus, not only to be amazed with the centurion, but then to say, I haven't found this kind of faith in Israel. And I found it in a Roman centurion. In the nation that my God has set apart, I haven't found this faith, but I found it in this Roman centurion. I want Jesus to say that about me. I know that's kind of selfish, but I want God to say, I like his faith. I like that he can believe against all circumstances that I can heal his servant. 
Don't you guys want that? Don't you guys want God to say, I haven't found such faith in all of America, but I found it in Robert. I haven't found this faith in all of America, but I found it in hope. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd love for God to say that about me. I don't know about you guys. You guys don't seem too excited about it, but that's okay. You see, I think there's something crucial that this centurion had that you and I often forget. He had an honor and a respect for the presence of God. He held it in such high honor and such respect. He said, don't even come to my house. I don't deserve to be near you. You and I are in the exact same place. We don't deserve to come into the presence of God, and yet he allows us, not only allows us, but wants us to be close to him, wants us to spend time with him. Isn't that a good father? You see, there is a privilege that you and I have coming into the presence of God. Sometimes I think that we take it for granted. Almost an hour and a half ago, we walked into the physical presence of a holy God that is all-knowing, that is all-powerful, and is not held by time. That should hit us like a ton of bricks. Don't you think we take it for granted sometimes? I know I do. And I know that when we don't take it for granted, that when we love his presence, that we become almost addicted to his presence, it can change our lives. There are three things I think the centurion understood about the presence of God that you and I often forget. First, I think he knew there is a power in the presence of God that you and I have access to. He knew there was power for miracles, there was power for healing. He specifically expected the power for healing for his servant, for his beloved servant. Not only did he expect that power, but he said, listen, Jesus, you just say the word. Don't even come, you don't even have to come to my house. Don't even disgrace yourself by coming into my presence. Just say the word and I know my servant will be healed. What a faith that he had. I know a lot of you guys have experienced the physical presence of God. I know that I have. Years ago, we went on a mission trip. We went to Texas and then we went to New Orleans. It was when we were doing some hurricane relief work where we were helping build houses and whatnot. But in Texas, we stopped at a youth conference. It was an amazing youth conference. Worship was awesome. The presence of God was there. And at times, you could literally feel the tangible presence of God. So I'm standing there in worship. My hands lifted. I'm singing this song. I'm belting it out, probably in the wrong key. And the presence of God hits me so hard. I mean, literally within three seconds, I'm on the ground. And I couldn't move. And I start, I just start crying. And like, I'm talking like snot running down my face, tears running. You know the salty taste? You know what I'm talking about? When you've been crying too long and you get a headache? Like, that's how I was crying, like hard, like it hurt. And part of me wanted to get up. And as I tried to get up, the Lord said, no, just stay here for a second. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. It was to the point I literally opened my eyes and I see Pastor Stefan just looking at me. Now, obviously, he wasn't, he wasn't being creepy. Okay, that sounds bad. He wasn't being creepy. He just saw, he obviously saw that God was doing something and looked, okay? He wasn't like, like giving me the side eye. That's weird, okay? He saw me on the floor. He saw the power of God on me. 
The physical power of God on me. How many of you guys have experienced that? You guys have been to camp before. I know a lot of you have. You've experienced the physical power of God. You see, God lives in the supernatural. If you break down that word supernatural, it literally means over the natural. To simplify it even more, what God does, what God says, where he lives, rules and reigns over where you and I live, over what you and I do and what you and I think. So he has power. There is power for us to tap into in his presence. The second thing for your handout is there is a provision in his presence. Provision means to provide, to give, to take care of. God wants to take care of you. He is a father. I thought of this earlier in worship during junior high. My daughters, when they are around me, they need not want for anything. When they are near me, when they are around me, they know that I will take care of clothing, that I will take care of food, that I will take care of housing. Their needs and their wants are met because I am near them. And in the same way, when God is near us, we need not want for anything. So in this provision that God has for us, there are many things that he can give us. There are many things that he can provide for us. Specifically, he can provide for us in circumstances and situations. Sometimes we need an answer. Sometimes we have a question. We have a choice where we need, God, I need an answer. I need an answer, and God can provide that. I specifically have seen that. I went to Master's Commission, which was a discipleship school, for nine months, all right? This school, in order to cultivate a culture of focus on God, we didn't talk to the opposite sex for nine months. That was weird, okay? It was especially weird because I was engaged at the time, so I didn't get to talk to her at all. And then not only did I not get to talk to her, like they were like, don't look at that side of the room because they're females. Like, don't look at them. Like, if you talked about them, it was taboo. Like, it was, it was kind of weird. And at first I thought it was weird. But they were trying to get us to focus on, number one, God. Number two, the other guys, and obviously for the ladies, the ladies around them, that way we can serve, that way we can love, and that way we're not, you know, clouded. We're not distracted with weird relationships. Okay, I have friends that have gone to other, like, discipleship schools and seminary schools and whatnot, and when you get into the presence of God, people like to get together. That's the way that it works. Ask PM and PS. They went to Bible college together, and Lord just started hooking things up. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. You grow a lot, you grow around other people, and then you're just like, you know what, I kind of like you. I've seen you in worship. I've seen, I've seen you do your thing. So that's what they're trying to avoid. They're trying to avoid the whole, all right? <laughs> you understood what I meant in the pause. <laughs> I love that. I love that whole mindset of focusing on God alone. During that first nine months, just about anybody can come. After the first nine months, if you want to come back for a second year, they have to ask you back. And I was asked back for a second year, which I was glad that they gave me that privilege and that opportunity. However, I had a choice. A woman that I was engaged to here, you guys to come back to, 5979, or go back for a second year and open up any kind of opportunity. I didn't know what that could have opened up for me, but I had a choice. And I needed an answer. And I knew that that answer wasn't going to come by me talking to other people. I knew the answer wasn't going to come by me reading more books. I knew the answer wasn't going to come by me going out into the wilderness. I knew that the answer was going to be found in the presence of God. And so there was only one thing that I could do. I prayed. 
At the time, I was living at the church, so I literally, I just went into the sanctuary, turned music on, and locked the door. And I stayed in there for hours. I prayed, I prayed, I worshiped, and I prayed. I'm pretty sure I didn't even, like, go to the bathroom during that amount of time. Like, literally, I was just there, and I was God, I need an answer. I'm not letting you go until you give me an answer. And God showed up. God gave me an answer. God gave me a loud, yes, you need to go back. And that was what I needed. My life would be completely different now. And I'm glad that God could answer that question in his presence. There's a provision for each and every one of us that we can find in his presence. I think a lot of times the reason we don't come into worship with the right attitude is because the world outside has done everything and will do everything in its power to strip you of what you can find in here. They will beat you down. They will wear you down. They will try to brainwash you. They will try to change your mindset. But here in the presence of God is where you can find what you need. You can find a new mindset. You can find a new attitude. You can find the strength to go back out there. I'm reminded of a passage in Isaiah 61. It talks about Jesus. It says this, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. See, the Bible says that you and I can wear praise and worship like garments. It is on us. And tonight, I want to tell you that praise and worship looks good on you. It does. It changes your whole demeanor. It changes your face. It changes how you talk to people and the way you look at people. Praise looks good on you. Lastly, we have peace. Peace is what you can find in his presence. I'm not talking about a regular just like, oh, this is, this is peaceful, this is nice. Not the peace you kind of, you find in a garden. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the peace that transcends time, okay? You guys know what kind of peace I'm talking about? Like, how many of you guys have been at camp and we've, we've been in this room with no AC, singing and worshiping the same song for hours on end, and all you can remember really is like the last hour you can't even remember the sermon at this point. Like, it's just, you've just been singing and singing and singing, and you're loving the point that you're at. The leaders are going around praying for people. People are laid out in the spirit. And then we finally leave the sanctuary, and you realize it's 1 o'clock in the morning. We started at 6. We've been doing this thing for 7 hours. It didn't feel like 7 hours. You might feel a little bit tired. Your body, your body starts to catch up and says, whoa. We're real tired. Your back starts hurting and whatnot. Your eyes get real low. But you had plenty of energy when you were in the presence of God. It's because that peace surpasses time. Time is not a thing in the presence of God. I love that. I don't know about you guys. That's a kind of peace that can get you through any kind of storm. Anything that comes your way, that peace it takes you out of the situation that you're in. You can forget about distractions. You can forget about responsibilities. You can forget about your friends. You can forget about different things that you or I get distracted with. 
There are a lot of things, obviously, that we can find in his presence, but specifically the power, provision, and peace is something that the centurion might have known about, but he didn't have access to. See, you and I have a privilege that the centurion did not have. Jesus had not gone to the cross yet. The sacrifice had not been poured out, and so he could not enter the physical presence of God like you or I can. That's what the cross did. The cross not only forgave our sins and washed us of our sins, but he also gave us access to the presence. We see it in Matthew 27. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Because of his sacrifice, the presence was poured out over all the earth. The power of God was poured out over all the earth. The earth shook with the physical presence of God. Rocks were split because of the physical presence of God. Not only that, this passage goes on to say that saints that were in the ground, in their graves, came alive. It rose people from the dead. That's the kind of power that you and I have access to that Centurion did not. That's why I thank Jesus for his sacrifice. There is much more than the forgiveness of sins found in the cross. That's some power. That's the kind of power that I want to tap into. That's obviously the same kind of power the centurion wanted to tap into. Let's take a look at another example of where Jesus showed off some of his power. In the same chapter 7 of Luke, verse 11 says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. I wanted to stop and point this out. God is worried about her provision. She is a widow, and this is her only son. She has no man. To, back then, there wasn't necessarily a means for women to provide for themselves or to provide for their family. God is worried about her provision. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout the Judea and the surrounding country. You see, God wants to provide for us. God is worried about our provision. God wants to give us the power that we have access to. He also wants to give us peace that we might go on. So often we get distracted. We get focused on other things. It reminds me of this quote that I've read before. It's by Brother Lawrence, who was a 17th century French monk. He says this, that we should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with him, that it was a shameful thing to quit his conversation, to think of trifles and fooleries. 
Basically, what Brother Lawrence is saying, that you or I should find ourselves in the presence of God, that we should know the presence of God, that we should love the presence of God, and that we should think it shameful to think of anything else, to think of things that are foolish, to get onto the social media and the media that distracts us. Quiet now because I'm preaching. We all get distracted. I do too. The kittens playing the pianos all the time. They get me every time. Or the dog laying with the kittens. Oh, like every time. But God has more for us. God has more for us in his presence, including power, provision, and peace. Specifically for me, in order to stay in his presence on a daily basis, to get refilled, to get restored, and to get renewed, I use my drive time. Most days I drive about 30 minutes, sometimes up to an hour and a half when I drive to Chattanooga. That's a drive, okay? You see the Lord's country a lot. It's, you guys ever been up to Chattanooga? It's a pretty drive, very pretty drive. I suggest you take it one day, okay? But I drive a lot, and I use my drive time to stay in the presence of God. When I get in the truck, literally, I turn on some instrumental worship music, make sure the AC and the temperature is just right, and I start cruising. Make sure, obviously, that I'm comfortable. And I find myself listening to this worship music, this instrumental music that has no words, and I start coming up with words. I start worshiping and praising. And then I get into prayer, and then I get into strategizing. I start thinking about my family. I start thinking about different things that I can do to bless my wife, or just different things, because I'm in the presence of God. So I find myself on a day-to-day basis in the presence of God. I know you guys don't have the drive time like I do, but I'm sure you have time in your schedule. I'm sure you guys can go to your parents and say, listen, mom, dad, I love to take maybe like an hour, maybe like 30 minutes before I do homework when I come home just to like to pray and to worship in my room by myself just to kind of get my mind right. I'm sure most of your parents aren't going to be like, you know what, homework's more important. (laughs) Would your parents say that? And if so, then I'm sorry. We can pray for them. (laughs) I'm being totally honest. If your parents don't value the presence of God more than homework, then obviously we need to change something or God needs to change something, okay? So you guys can find the time. You guys maybe can find time in the morning when you're getting ready for school. I know that for me, the reason I do it on my drive time is because it's in the morning. It's the beginning of the day. I can prep myself. Now, obviously, throughout the day, I can tap back into the presence when I need it. I work out in the sun. I, I work at different dealerships doing interior work, doing real repairs and whatnot. And so I find myself frustrated at times. Because it's like 80 degrees outside, the sun's beating on the back of my neck, making it look like burnt chicken. <laughs> like, honestly, look at my hand, and then look at the back of my neck. You see how much darker that is? That's ungodly back there. Like, that's just... So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that can get frustrating. You know, I get hot, and then I start spilling leather dye, and then I'm spilling paint, and it's, and it's just, it just it, I get frustrated. I said, Lord, I need your peace. I need you here in this moment. I need you to calm me down. And he does. And I can get the job done. There's been times when I'm trying to mix a color. I mix colors by eye. I've been trying to mix a color, and I'm just off, 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 off. I'm like, why is it still off? And I'm just like, Lord, like, I need you to get this color right, because apparently I'm not doing it. 
Next one. Spot on. Spray it and go. Like, it's just, I, I'm telling you, his presence is what each and every one of us need. How many of you guys like to eat? I know this will connect. You guys might not spray leather for a living, but I know you guys like to eat. I love to eat, okay? I love to eat. One of the things I love to eat is steak and potatoes. You guys like steak and potatoes? That combination. So good, okay? So good. Especially when my wife cooks it, all right? Listen, there were three requirements when I came to the Lord. I said, Lord, she needs to be pretty, she needs to love you, and she needs to know how to cook, okay? The rest, we can make up as we go. <clears throat> the Lord delivered, all right? The woman can cook. So mashed potatoes, sometimes she'll put a little garlic, she'll put a little cheese in there so they come out real fluffy. Oh, Lord. Then the steak is real juicy, real nice. Okay, so I'm making myself hungry. After we're done, it might be time for old Charlie's, okay? So steak and potatoes, how many of you guys have had steak and potatoes before, okay? When you eat steak and potatoes afterwards, do you need anything else? No. It's so filling. Last service, Ms. Keisha Johnson said chocolate cake. <laughs> and I, I I said, Satan, get behind me. No, no, no. No, no, no. Because after steak and potatoes, you're full. It's filling. That's all that you need. See, God has that for us in his presence. He has steak and potatoes for us in his presence. He has everything that you need. But too often, we get distracted and focused on McDonald's. Or Taco Bell. Or even, here we go, Subway. Because let's be honest, steak and potatoes is not as good as Subway. Exactly my point. I'm glad you're thinking for yourselves. We're doing this. You see, God has everything that we need in his presence. And all we have to do is say, Lord, I'm here and I'm waiting for you. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. And what father doesn't want to spend time with their kids when they say, Dad, I'm here. I just want to see you. I just want to hear you. I just want to talk to you. In his presence, we can find everything that we need. I know for me specifically, I have to make it a priority. When I come into worship, I am focused. Okay, I've got two kids. There's a lot of distraction that can go on. One of them's eight. Sometimes she likes to start drawing and whatnot, so then I got to tell her, no, we're worshiping now. And then the other one's like beat herself. And then she don't know how to talk, so then she might start crying and whatnot. And it just, it's, there, there can be a lot of distractions. There can be a lot of things to focus on. But I know I have to be determined when I come into worship. It's the same thing back here for you guys. When you come into worship, why is she wearing that shirt? That's a distraction, right? Why is that dude so tall? Like, I hadn't seen him in, like, two years, and now he's a monster. That's a distraction. He didn't mean to do that. It just happens, okay? Our minds wander. But you or I, we have to be determined in worship. When we come into the presence of God, we have to have an honor and a respect for the presence of God. In conclusion, I want to leave you guys with two challenges. 
God is obviously challenging me to be in his presence on a daily basis to be refilled, restored, and renewed. But I want to challenge you guys as well. Number one, do not take the presence of God for granted. I think each and every one of us can come into this place, can come into any church, any worship service, or even in our own rooms and neglect the presence of God. Take it for granted. Oh, it's just worship. I'm going to sit down because my legs are tired. That's taking worship for granted. I wish that some of you guys, I love the way that you guys worship. I wish that some of you guys were in junior high. We need some people to help teach our junior hires how to worship. All right, you say amen next week. I'm waiting to see you at 5 o'clock, okay? I'm serious. We need some of you guys in junior high. We don't expect you guys necessarily to be in, in a leadership position, but come into junior high. Show them how to worship. Jump around with them. They'd love that. Don't you think they're going to see, oh, that's, that's one of the older guys. I can jump in worship too. Okay, cool. It's, it's cool to jump in worship. It's cool to stand up front and worship. I'm going to go up there and stand with him. You are now setting a precedent that these younger people can tap into the presence of God early on. Wouldn't you have loved somebody to teach you that? When you were in junior high? I would have loved it. I mean, I don't know about you guys. So, secondly, I want to challenge you guys with be daily filled, renewed, and restored in his presence. Now, obviously, there are going to be days that we miss. There are days that I miss. So I shoot for three to five days out of the seven. If I hit seven, awesome. That's cool. I'm not going for the check mark of getting seven days. What I'm going for is, obviously, I know that my needs and my wants are met in his presence. I know that when I need peace or that when I'm frustrated. Like, right now, I am hot in this shirt, okay? Like, I like the way... You my, you my man, John. That is a response to preaching, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Everybody take note, all right? Not everybody. Take note. All right, so I'm hot in this shirt, but in worship, I didn't notice that I was hot in this shirt. I'm sure I was, but I didn't notice because I was in his presence. So I think that each and every one of us, obviously, we can get distracted and whatnot, but I think that when we find ourselves loving his presence, almost being addicted to his presence, needing his presence, it's going to change our lives. We're going to look like the centurion. We're going to have faith like nobody else. We're going to look different than the people around us. If I can get the leaders to join me up front. Some of us are already finding ourselves in the presence of God on a daily basis, or on a, in a, maybe just often we find ourselves in the presence of God. But other, others of us, we don't. We don't take the time. We don't necessarily have the honor and respect for the presence of God. And so if you have the prayer request, God, I want to love your presence. That's one of my prayer, prayer requests. Sometimes I have to pray that for myself. God, I want to love your presence more. If that's you tonight, I hope that you can come up here, talk to one of these leaders. They'll be able to pray with you, love on you, maybe even encourage you, spur you on to love the presence of God. If you have any other prayer requests or any needs, please come up and see the leaders. I'm going to go ahead and pray us out, and then you guys are dismissed. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for your presence. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice and the privilege that we have coming into the physical presence of a holy God. Jesus, I pray that as we go, 
We would not take your presence for granted. As we come into worship, we would not take your presence for granted. And God, I pray that each and every one of us would yearn, long, and hope to be refilled, restored, and renewed in your presence on a daily basis. Jesus, we thank you and we love you. It's in your name that we pray.